Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, the Lord has led me to what I might term as a, as an, a revival of the soul. There's a wonderful scripture in Psalm 19 where it talks about the word of God. It says, your word is true, reviving the soul. How many know we have a soul? <laughs> Not a deep soul, soul singing, but a, a soul. Uh, that which God created, that which God yearns for unity with, to, to be with, to enjoy, to change, to grow. We have a soul. And, and revival of the soul is not a, a one-off encounter where we're born again and we're filled with the spirit and that's it. And we just kind of, you know, get to heaven as best we can. There's actually, I mean, I've experienced even in the last few weeks, a reviving of my soul. I've been a Christian for many years and I know there are people here that have been Christians longer than I have and it's got to be our testimony that God is continually reviving our soul otherwise we will drift into a, a coma and we this is the most critical time in our world where the church cannot be in a coma it has to be alive, revived, and that is the responsibility of each one of us. So it's nothing to do with my notes, but it was it's good. It's good to have my wife back after six weeks being in England. Love you, missed you. She said, do you miss me? I said, well, if I didn't miss you, it'd be really worrying, but I have missed you, genuinely missed you. It's nice to have you back. And on the way back from the airport, yep, straight into our relationship where she tells me to stop slow down shouldn't I be on the left I'm like yep my wife is back hallelujah thank you lord the work is still to be done in the <laughs> so I put my my title if it's up there is the revival of the soul an inward journey to perfect union with Christ and each other. Now, there's some, some words in there that make us nervous. Somebody said, oh, is that sinless perfection? And but let's, let's clarify it. The, the premise of my message is this. I want to state that God, through Christ, by the Spirit, is calling like a father, drawing, wooing like a lover, inviting like a friend, you and I into a deeper union, communion journey with him and with each other. And it's a journey like Hebrews, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And as Paul talks about the reward of our journey, of our union is Christ and all that Christ brings to us and in us and that is joy peace security love comfort 
hope, freedom. That's worth going after, isn't it? You know what Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the prize of the high calling, which is Christ. Christ, to lay hold of Christ, who has laid hold of me. I love that. Even in our worship, there's this sense where God is laying hold of us to perfect us, to refine us, to revive us, that he might have a deeper union with us. That's his purpose. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he bore all our sins. That's why he said to the Father, I'll go. Why? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy? It's you and I in communion and union with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's a journey towards union. There's a journey towards deeper, perfect union that we go on. And it's not to say that the work of the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus was not once for all finished. When he cried on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. We are secure. We are in him by faith through grace. And yet there's this journey. And I think if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll say, yeah, there's this journey where there are things in my life that I have to bring to God or that God is putting his finger on that I have to do business. And often we avoid that. We, we delay it. We, I mean, I know for myself, and I'm, I know I'm not alone, where you come into the presence of God and God is putting his finger on something in your life and you don't deal with it. You don't bring it to him. Often you kind of push it to one side, maybe because it's hurtful, maybe because it's painful, maybe for whatever reason. And you, and you kind of get distracted and you go off and you do and then you feel, I need to, I, I've, I've got to find God again. And you come into the presence of God and God puts his finger on the same thing in your life because he will not let you continue with these areas of sin, which I want to explain, because it hinders deeper union and communion with God. Why does God want to reveal things in our lives? Because he wants a greater, deeper relationship with us. So this word perfect, it's, it's the Greek word. I better put my glasses on. <clears throat> teleu, teleu, that's the Greek. <laughs> no, I'm about to say, say teleu, teleu. It's this, to ex this some of it, to execute fully, to advance a person to a final completeness of character. To perfect a person, advance a, oh, a person to a completeness of its kind, which needs no further provision, to reach the end of one's course and to be fully developed. So often there's a sense of maturity is the onward going of the completing of God. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of salvation. 
There is a journey that we go on. And so, the, and we'll read the scripture and then we'll pray. Sorry, Mish. Um, and the other word is the word union. And I put, I've put this, the outcome of perfect union is a deep, and it's deep, awareness of God's perfect love, our identity as sons and daughters through the submission of our true selves, body, soul, spirit to God. I really believe that's the purpose of God. That's his work. And not only that, but everything that is done internally in our hearts, in our inner man or our inner being, must have his expression. It must go out. The problem is, is if everything is out, which it can be, and nothing is within, it's just behavior. It's just performance. The things that come out or express outwardly as a result of what God has done inwardly is just an expression of Jesus Christ to this world. And what does this world need? It needs to meet Jesus. That's the only answer. It's the only answer to every single problem and issue, not only in the church, but out of the church, is you've got to meet Jesus and let him speak to you and let him touch you, minister to you, heal you, revive you. Amen? So there's two things that kind of shaped my message today. The first one was I've been sitting in the dialogue of the upper room where Jesus is um, in the Passover and Jesus is about to go to the cross. It's in John 13 to 17. And I've been reading it and I've been reading it and it's really, it's blessed me. I think there's a significance about this particular uh, message or this particular dialogue that it's his final words before he goes into the garden. And to read that and to kind of look at it and say, yeah, there's everything in there. That's important. It's important for us. The first thing that he does in chapter 13 before in the Passover, before he's about to go to the cross, he takes up a towel and he kneels and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. And you've got this wonderful uh, dialogue with Peter that hopefully I'll remember to talk about later. And then we go into chapter 14 where, where they're all now nervous and scared and afraid. And Jesus has this wonderful uh, statement about he's going to prepare a place for us. In my father's house are many abiding places. I want to talk about that. And then chapter 15 talks about Jesus as the vine. My father is the, the gardener, the, the, the one who um, tends to the vine. And we are the branches and we must abide in him. It's a wonderful picture of God's care for us and the desire for us to be fruitful. Need to clarify that. And then 16, he talks about the advocate, the Holy Spirit that's going to come and is going to be just like Jesus, but he's going to speak of Jesus. He's going to bring to us everything that Jesus wants to communicate to us. And then in chapter 17, he prays. And he prays about oneness. He prays about the fact that we, Father, us, he prays for us that we would be one as he is one. And talk about that. It's all right. I'll only be about half an hour, but 
<laughs> it's like, hey, that's 28 points so far. The, work, the second thing, I don't know if you've got that picture up. Anyone know this St. Teresa of Avila or Avila, a 16th century nun who wrote a book called The Interior Castle or The Mansions, and it's, um, it's heavy, very, very heavy. But it really talks about her spiritual journey of faith into this deep communion with God, which really led her to establish the, um, it's the Carmelite order of nuns and monks. And she got to a point where she so journeyed that she wanted to obviously go to a place where there was no distractions, where it was simply her and God and she communed and, and you know, some powerful writings in there. Um, but I want to kind of bring it back a bit and we're all not going to be monks and nuns, um, that's for sure. But she, she really embraces things like solitude and, and prayer and, and spending time in the presence of God and being in the presence of God and waiting on God and letting God speak to her and minister to her and challenge her as we do if we give time to God to do that. So John 17 says this, this is the prayer. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow. Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your prayer. Thank you that you... You see all things. You see a perfect bride. You see, Lord, the fulfillment of that prayer. Because every word that you pray is true. Lord, let us understand something new, something fresh of you today, that we may enter into a deeper communion with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to really, the thing that God was really establishing me was this, this phrase, Jesus Christ lives in me. And Ephesians, I want to just read some of these because Ephesians talks about Paul's prayer um, that for this reason I bow the knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. At the end, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Romans 8, 9 to 11. I just want to cherry pick. Sorry, guys, but time fugit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is, is life because of righteousness. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Galatians 4, um, my little children for whom I am again the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence in the power might be of God and not of us. Galatians 1, but when it pleased God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith. I put that uh, image up. It's a change of perspective. I love the I love Ephesians. I love the sense of in Him. Paul talks about it. In Him we have. In Him we have. But often I don't know what you see there because there's a a young lady or an old lady. <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> this image, but I was thinking that it's it's not one or the other. It's just a, a need to change the perspective. Often we look and we, we deal with God in an external frame. When we pray, Jesus is not distant, but he's out there. Uh, God is out there. We look to him. We fix our eyes on him, and it's as if it's that external position. And yet, as I've read, there's this sense that God is also in us and so we can look within and I love that image if you can just throw that back up again Andrew that castle image of this circular moat this circular uh, shape and what Teresa Vavir was saying is that as you journey in God you get closer and closer to the center we say Jesus be the center of my heart and as we journey and she talks about how God is drawing people and they can be just outside the castle and God is calling them. And that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is the calling of those who are outside to come in to fellowship with him. And I was impressed and I've been spending time thinking about the fact that I want to journey in to experience God within and have a revelation and an encounter with God it's we can go further I love the 
the scripture, Ephesians 2.22, it says, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You are God's building. You are God's um, build. These, these pictures that we can use, and even in Revelation it says, Behold, I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. See, what this amazing sense of the, the, that God is present in us. Jesus is in us. So here's a thought. Maybe this will challenge your theology. Maybe we can talk about it afterwards, maybe not during the message. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And Jesus says to him, I am the way. Now, if I'm honest with you, I've always seen that as this future. Jesus returns. We go to heaven. And, you know, that great story of prayer, the prayer that's laid up, and you get to heaven and God says, you know, let's say, you know, me and Dolan, this is a prayer warrior, you know, we get to heaven and Jesus says to Dolan, look, Dolan, here's your mansion because I built it with all the prayers. And I say, where's mine? And, and the Lord takes me down the street to the left, a little shack. He says, these are your prayers. This is your shack. And um, I've always sought that. I don't know if I'm alone in that, maybe. But then I've seen thinking is actually Jesus is going to the cross to prepare a place for God to dwell. So on the day of Pentecost, God inhabited his people. So we are not, it's not the, it's going to be, Oh, we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to get our abiding places. Actually, my, I am the dwelling place or we are the dwelling place of God in here. It's, it's, God is transcendent. He's, he's the creator of heaven and earth. And yet he said in, in John 17, Jesus prayer, we will come and make our abode in you. I don't think science weeks. <clears throat> you know, so it's a it's the sense of the the now, the experience of now, and then there will be a fulfillment of it. it there's a there is a destiny. Jesus will return. We we will meet him. We know won't know what we'll look like, but we will be like him. We'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But there's this sense that it's that there's this moment now where God is wanting to 
be everything to us, to, to be the fulfillment, the fullness of life, of revival, of, of um, relationship now in this present moment. Let's go to that next, next point. So we're on a journey. And I, I, I guess what I wanted to, this is the um, emphasis of, of my message, is, is that as we take that image and we, we journey with God, we encounter God as we journey. Our desire as we worship, we want to know you, we want, we want to worship you, we want to be free, we want to, uh, you know, have all the things that are not of ourselves are not of, of you, Lord, just off. We want, to, we want to be more and more like Jesus. And yet that's a journey. And, and as I said earlier, that, that's a decision that we make. You know, we can, we can just kind of just get on with life and get busy and that's, it's not fine. You know, we get to heaven. Jesus loves us. But I think there's, there's this, um, this opportunity that's that's coming that I think is sitting in this church, particularly where we can go from glory to glory, where we can open our hearts up, where we can we can allow each other to speak into our lives and help each other to encounter God. And it's a journey. It's 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 not we do it once and that's it. I mean, even the other day. God said to me, Phil, you've got to die. Because there were things that were going on in my life that were I could justify because they were spiritual things, maybe theological things, but I wasn't at peace. And I had to die. I had to submit my life to God afresh, and it set me free. And I was revived. I was free from it. You know, when you're free from something, it doesn't burden you in your mind. And it isn't about resolving it sometimes. It isn't about going, and well, I need to, I need to say my peace. No, sometimes you just gotta die. As a word for someone, <laughs> me. So these encounters, as we journey in inward, as our desire is to be in communion, as God leads us by his spirit, as God wants to reveal it, we come to what we might call these mansions or these moments. And there we engage God. God's plan is to identify, to heal, to cut away, to restore and to revive the soul, my soul, to enjoy communion with God. And it's a removing of sin. What is sin? Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that so easily clings to us. You know, sin is that which has come in through Adam's disobedience that has tainted, has 
corrupted, has um, yeah, corrupted who we are. And God is wanting to restore that. And we talk about these, I guess it's like a journey. As you go inward, things become more and more refined. You know, I think of what I call the big stuff. You know, when you come to God and there are things like we talk about idols in your life or addictions in your life or, you know, you struggle with your, your own will and your own desires and your own passions. And you, you have to let God deal with them. You have to repent you have to submit you have to allow God to cut them off you know Paul talks a lot about putting off the old man putting on the new man you know um, crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires you know this is a church issue but then then you go deeper because some of those things are the external things we see people come in you know, people are going to come in to our church and they're going to be broken and they're going to they're gonna need our, our love and our grace. But they're going to have some big stuff that needs to be dealt with. And yet sometimes that's all good because we can see the outside and if we're not careful, we judge people, never judge people. But then we go deeper and then we get things like regrets and hurts. disappointments not really understanding God's love we're insecure fears man or failure offenses these things come in and as we journey in into the that union with God it's, it's God you can't bring offenses you can't move forward it has to be dealt with you know, we think we can get away with it, but the thing is, is God won't let us get away with it. He loves us too much to get away with it. This is a loving God. This is a God who desires fellowship and relationship, not a God who just wants to criticize and judge and condemn and punish. This is a God who draws us wooingly like a lover because he wants to be intimate with us. And we're there and we have, to we have to let God deal with those things in our, in our deeps. And then we go deeper. And there's burdens that we have that we don't need to carry or distractions. We get distracted things. Good is the enemy of the best. Attitudes. I put even our theology. can stop us entering into communion with God because we're holding it as if we know everything. You know, I can't, I can't fellowship with you because my theology or I, man, lay it down. Come into love, come into communion. But at the end, it's what about my life? All I have, all my will, all my desires, all my hopes, all my expectations, it's got to be laid down at the foot of the cross. It has to be laid down because, Jesus, I want you. And I can't have the fullness of God, communion, intimacy, 
and have my own desires and my own will. I tell you what, that's challenging. That's that's a that's a wrestle. That's gonna. It's not gonna be. Oh yes, Lord, I'm just gonna lay it all down. Man, you might say that, but I know that the reality of life is that then you start saying, Lord, what about me? <laughs> Are you caring for me? And Jesus says, yeah, I am caring for you. I've got the best for you. I've got your whole life in my hands. But are you willing to lay that down and come into communion? And as a result of that communion, the spring of life of Jesus just pours into your heart, brings freedom, brings hope, brings, brings life, brings worship. Now we want... We want to come into even the corporate sense and just see worship as this uh, a freedom to express to God who he is and how we love him. And, oh, Lord, I want to lay it down. I want to come closer and closer and closer into perfect union. But the thing is, it's, for, it's each other as well. So not only do we have that challenge with God, but we have that challenge with each other. And God is perfect and each other's isn't perfect. But that's it. If I learn to lay down and die, because I put that there, if it's there, you can't truly live until you've truly died. And it's not a one-off. It's a... Paul said it, I die daily, die to his own will, his own, Lord, what are you doing? Why am I being beaten and shipwrecked and persecuted? Something's got to be going on in his heart for him to even continue. You know, we see that sometimes the, the, the circumstances of people's lives that you would think that would be it. If that happened to me, that'd be it. God is gone. But something in them keeps them going, trusting, believing, faith, God's ability to hold us, keep us, strengthen us, comfort us. And we've got to do that with each other. Maybe if the worship team come up. I don't know if you're um, aware, it's, a, a, it's called a prayer of surrender. So if we, in a time of ministry, we love it. We love the fact that God wants to perfect, perfect us, to work in our lives, to bring about all the blessing, the full, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you and we carry Jesus and yet the struggle we have is what we call lordship the lordship of Christ in our lives where we have to lay down we're hurt got to lay it down 
brother's offended you, lay it down. Let it go urgently. You've got regrets. God didn't come through. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Because it will stop you entering into God's presence. I'm not talking about being a Christian. We're Christians. You understand? I'm talking about relationship. So I just want you to, if you could just bow your heads. Maybe shut your eyes. Just listen. So the wonderful thing about God's ministry is it's so unique to each one of us. What I'm going through, what God needs to do in my life is totally different to what God is wanting to do in your life, ministering to your life. says this, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need of you and surrender to you as my saviour, my redeemer, my deliverer, and my Lord. I invite you now to be Lord. That is the authority over the whole of my life. Lord of my human spirit and all of my spiritual awareness and worship. Lord of my mind, my attitudes, my thinking, my beliefs, and my imagination. Lord of my emotions and my expression of my feelings. Lord of my will and all of my decisions. Lord of my body, my physical health, my exercise, my diet, my rest and my appearance. Lord of my sexuality and its expression. Lord of my family and all my relationships. Lord of my secular work and my Christian service. Lord of my material goods and my perceived needs. Lord of my finances. Lord of my plans, my ambitions, and my future. Lord of the manner and the time of my death. Thank you that your blood was shed that I might be free from the consequences of sin and that my name can be written in your book. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, 
I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.